Hello and welcome to Pure Championship, the number one podcast on all things Scottish Championship. I'm Cammy and he's Chris and in this week's episode we're going to be reviewing the four games from this weekend. We only had the four as Inverness versus Isle was called off, so let's get into things and let's start at Gayfield where Arbroath played out a one-all draw with Dundee. What did you make of this one, Chris? Obviously this one was in uh, in front of the BBC Scotland cameras live on the telly on Friday night. Uh, we got a couple of goals, which was more than what we can say for the, the last BBC Scotland Friday night game, but I didn't think this one was was that better a contest to be honest I'm not sure what you you thought of it when you come in in a second but I just thought it was a bit of a a a meh game really um obviously yeah we'll we'll talk about the goals in a second but I thought it was a bit more of like a kind of a midfield battle and where defenses were kind of on top yeah I mean it wasn't exactly the most entertaining of matches and I think I've just kind of turned into a bit of a jinx because every game I seem to watch now just seems to be an absolute bore face. Most of the games I've watched in the past few weeks have been nil-nils so yeah it's, it's been far from great tuning into matches and this one wasn't that much better. Um, so Dundee took the lead through a Charlie Adam penalty. Who, who else other than him was going to take that and score it but for me I felt the penalty was actually quite harshly given Um I know, obviously, with the kind of new rules, it probably is right. But I mean, for me, it's it's very unfair. What did you think of it? I thought the same, to be honest. Um, I actually kind of I, I think I was just watching on my tiny laptop screen, um, and I think I got a little bit of a, a buffer situation before the penalty. But watching it back on the re on the replay, I I kind of had to take a few looks at it just to see what it was actually for. I didn't I didn't notice the handball um, initially, but but yeah, I think it was quite a harsh one. But like you said, we've we've seen plenty of those given across across the season, haven't we? Yeah, we have. And I mean, I think Dundee, as much as we said it was a very unentertaining match, they could have probably extended the lead. I know they had Danny Mullen go close. He missed a bit of a sitter. Um, then Derek Gaston also denied Osman Sowa for a really nice save as well. So, I mean, there was certainly more that could have kind of went in Dundee's favour but that said Arbroath weren't actually too bad themselves and more than held their own in that first 45 minutes which I think is more than we can really say that, that they've managed for most of this season where they've most often struggled. Yeah I think that I've got a note down saying like stubborn Arbroath are back and I'm not I, I guess we can't really say things are back or things are, are gone in the Scottish Championship this season because uh, like anything can happen none of the top three won this past weekend but I think this was the Arbroath that we we saw plenty of last season. They kind of got back to their best a bit, uh, and they were they were stubborn. Obviously, um, second time in two matches that, that Bobby Lynn's come on as a sub and provided a corner assist for an equalising goal. And Mark Watley's header was an absolute thumper, and I thought it was deserved to be honest. Like Dundee, as you said, although they did have those few chances, I thought Danny Mullen should have burst the net with that chance that that hit the crossbar, but. Um, I thought our both probably did deserve the point on, on the balance of play. Yeah, I mean, I, I, that, that's what I've got draw, probably a fair result. And I think our both, obviously, we've always kind of said that they're, they're a hard team to play against. And a, kind of a few weeks ago, they'd kind of changed the style, looked a bit more attacking. And it, whilst it wasn't quite like this, there was a few kind of standouts for me in that Arbroath team, especially Ben Williamson, who who arrived on loan from Rangers and was given the, the Man of the Match award from the BBC. And, 
I mean, Ben Williams seemed a really, really good impact in this one. At, at both ends, really, seemed to have lots of confidence, wasn't scared to get himself kind of stuck in, went quite close with a free kick, moving a foot or so over the bar. And yeah, I mean, I, I think he's, he looks to be a, a great pickup for our Brof, who obviously lost our pure championship favourite in Miko Vertanen, who, of course, is more defensive minded. But in Williamson, it appears that they've got a player who can do a bit of both. And given Arbroath's goal scoring struggles and Williamson's free kick that I just mentioned, I mean, that, that could certainly help things. And obviously, you said Bobby Lynn's come off the bench and in the past few games provided a few assists. And whilst he certainly hasn't been the Bobby Lynn that we kind of seen last season or in kind of previous seasons in the lower leagues, to be able to still get that out of him, who's, he's what, 35, 36 now? I mean, I think that that is a, a good contribution to make. And obviously, he can't be playing all the games at once, but to come off the bench and make that impact, I think that's all Dick Campbell can really ask for. It's now two games unbeaten for our Brof, and I don't know if we can maybe say this is him starting to turn things around. I know kind of post-match Dick Campbell said we need to stick together, we need to work hard, we're kind of positive-minded and stuff, and he certainly didn't seem seem to think that our Brof were kind of down and out. Obviously, we're kind of only halfway through the season, but yeah, Dick Campbell certainly seemed happy enough, and who, who's going to argue with Dick Campbell? I tried to argue with Dick Campbell a little bit uh, with his BBC article that I think he'd done an interview with the BBC last week and he was kind of moaning about the quality of like leagues like the, the Premier League down south these days and, and I was he was saying that they just play one up front and I think our bros have been playing one up front but they've managed to get their results in the last couple of weeks because they've tried to switch things up a bit. Like I said, Bobby Lynn came on in this one, like they they had um, Dale Hilson was on the park already. Like they they switched things about a bit. Luke Donnelly came on for David Gold with twenty minutes to go too. So Dick Campbell was trying to to kind of attack Dundee in this one, but I think at the end of the day, they they definitely deserved that equaliser. Um, I think the only thing for them now is teams around about them are are strengthening. I think we'll we'll touch on them a bit, but. Obviously, Alaba brought in Ennis Cameron and, and uh, Queen of the South, who who we thought were going to be one of the the three down there battling for the for the rest of the season. They brought in Dapo Mabud as well. So, like I think, it's it's our both. While they brought in uh, Ben Williamson, who was man in action this one, and he looked good, I still think that they need uh, a quality addition up front. Uh, and I think there's a few kind of strikers go and spare in the premiership that could do with some loans down to the championship so I think it, it remains to be seen what will happen there and whether they are actually looking but I definitely think that that's what they need yeah I mean I think we've said that every week for the past few weeks now they're still the the lowest scoring team just eight goals this season and obviously that's not going to get you far scoring at kind of that rate but we obviously seen last season with Craig White and coming on loan from Hearts and the impact he made and as I think we said maybe in the episode just before Christmas it was either you and I said if they could get a player like Craig White in who could make a similar impact, well, they'll be laughing. And I mean, they're only one point behind Alawa, so it's not, not the kind of worst situation to be in. So obviously, they're a little bit further behind eighth place, so they're kind of in that still relegation fight. But I mean, as, as I say, there's still half the season to go. And if they do get that striker, and given the way they've changed the kind of setup, I mean, they could be all right, but obviously they do need to start picking up wins because they only do have one from the, the first 12 games so far. So in the past week, uh, prior to this game, we actually had the chance to speak with Dundee defender Liam Fontaine, obviously a player who has scored a fair few goals and tallied a few assistants coming in. And here's a little snippet of that interview for you. 
since you joined the club, Dundee have had a, a brilliant kind of upturn in form and performances as well. Where that's definitely been noticeable from us. Um, can we put that solely down to you and your arrival at the club? <laughs> no, you can't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't even imply that. To be honest, I just thought <laughs> when I arrived, we had uh, we had a we had a good meeting amongst the players and the staff, and and we know we've got quality here. And I think people in the in the league know we've got quality here. And, and it was only a matter of time before that set fire. Um, luckily, at the moment, we're, we're, we are going well, um, but the challenge is for any team that wants to push for any form of promotion or, or being there at the end of the season, you have to be able to consistently put that out. I mean, my thing that, or my thing that I've always had personally and in teams that I've played in previously is that you have to be able to, you need at least sort of eight, nine players pushing like eight, seven, eights out of ten every week. Um, as soon as three, four drop off, it can obviously affect the the outcome, and we as a team we keep each other going. The staff behind us keep us going. They don't let anyone slack off, and we can't let people slack off. And that and that's that's how we're going at the moment. Yeah, so we, we spoke to Liam before the the Arbroath match, um, and you can hear the whole interview. Uh, we'll, we'll stick out on the Pure Football feed um, later on this week, but he had to uh, kind of hobble off with a with a knock in this one, and, and that was the story of Dundee's match. Really, um, Jordan McGee was off. Uh, after 15 minutes and, and Danny Mullen was off before half time as well so um, uh, a little bit of work to do for James McPake there but they did bring in uh, as we're recording this um, Paul McMullen's joined for the rest of the season on loan before he joins permanently um, so yeah it'll be really interesting to see where he fits in for the rest of the season for Dundee Yeah it will be so shall we move on to the game that I quickly wish to erase from my memory and that was Dunfermline's goalless draw home to Air United which is yet another addition to the Shite Games Hall of Fame here on the Pure Championship podcast because, I mean, I think watching this one, I didn't think we could see anything worse than the Pure Championship derby that was on BBC the other week. But yeah, this definitely beat it. There was absolutely no action whatsoever. Um, I don't think either side even managed a single shot on target. There were kind of a few chances. I know the Pars had one where the ball came to McManus and... I mean, I, I don't know how he manages it. He just completely blasts it near the corner flag and then Ryan Dow also smashed one over the bar from close range. And I mean, Ayr, from what I can recall, didn't really have many chances. There was one where they landed a header on the roof of the net and then Michael Moffat, when he came on, also kind of went close. But yeah, a very, very terrible match here. And I, I mean, there, there's nothing really to say because as I say, there was, there was no action. It was possibly the worst game that I've watched all season. Callie, I'm not going to lie to you. So you obviously told me that this was one of the worst games you've watched all season. I've not even bothered to watch the highlights for this one because I just uh, I'm, I can't put myself through another nil-nil involving Dunfermline Athletic. Um, what what is going on between these two teams this season? Why can they not score against each other? I have no idea because obviously earlier on in the season it was was nil-nil at Somerset and that game was a little bit better. There were chances, but. Yeah, we we just seem to enjoy giving each other points, and I it's a a very bizarre one. And obviously, we've already kind of spoken about is is it the system and kind of what's happened with the pars? Why is Ryan Ryan Dow and Dom Thomas not performing how they were? But I am a little bit happier in the days since since that draw because the pars did manage to secure a loan deal for highly rated Crystal Palace youngster Scott Banks. Um. Banks did spend some time on loan in the league last year with Alwa and in his three or four games with Emmy, he looked a real kind of talent. And 
I think since he's went down to, to Palace, obviously a Premier League club, he's been playing for their under-23s, but I did see some kind of claiming that he could maybe even be in the first team in and around there. So, I mean, when you're talking that kind of quality coming to a championship team, I mean, that is that is outstanding business. And I'd like to hope that, given his kind of skill and trickery that we've seen, he can maybe kind of help the Pars find that creative and kind of provide a spark that we've missed in recent weeks since Dom Thomas has kind of just fallen off a cliff. Um, but yeah, what do you make of Scott Banks coming in? I can't say I've seen too much of him other than, like you said, his loan at Aloha um, last season for the couple of matches before football stopped. But he is highly rated. Um, I think I, I've seen Owen from, from the Pure Football podcast, uh, our main podcast. He He's mentioned him a lot uh, on Twitter. He likes to follow the, the kind of young Scottish players down south that are eligible for the Scottish youth teams. And, and he's been highlighting Banks quite a lot over this this season so far, playing for uh, in the Premier League 2, obviously, as you said, with Crystal Palace's uh, under-23 side. So, yeah, he's very, high, very highly rated. And he is from Linlithgow as well, same as me. So, um, two fine Linlithgow gentlemen. Uh, in your life, Cammy, how are you feeling about that? I mean, I know which one I prefer, and it's certainly not Scott Banks. <laughs> uh, what, what a suit. With, uh, with that kind of game pretty much discussed, uh, as we say, there was no action. Shall we move on to a game where there was plenty of action, and we actually got a bit of a shock in this one with the result, and that was Rafe Rovers travelling to Tynecastle and beating league leaders' hearts 3-2 in what was an absolutely huge win, and I believe you pointed out to me that they don't actually train the day before due to also all the COVID cases. So to go and put in a performance like that, especially in the first half, that was, that was highly impressive from John McGlynn's side, wasn't it? Yeah, the championship strikes again. Like just last week, we were talking about Hearts walking to the title. They were comfortable winners against Aloha. This week, uh, they get given their third league defeat of the season. I had a quick look and I could be wrong here and somebody will hopefully correct me if I am, but that was Hearts' first home loss uh, in the league, so obviously the in the championship and counting the, the premiership since February 2020 when they lost 3-2 against Killy um, up in the premiership. So um, a big, big surprise uh, and a cracking result for Wraith Rovers. Um, I think uh, just following on from the last match, Cammy, obviously Dunfermline are still second in the league but have been faltering recently, but Hearts have been faltering too. And it, it just looks like, again, before we talk about the match action in this one, like, Dunfermline should be chasing Hearts much closer than they have been but the draws are just killing Dunfermline and you can't really seem to capitalise on Hearts dropping some points No we can't and I mean you look at the table Rafe Rovers after this win are sitting on 18 points there's three points behind the Pars in second and they've also got two games in hand so I mean they could if they win both these games in hand they could go within just well just three points of Hearts and considering Rafe are just newly promoted I mean we've said it so many times but it's very, very impressive, and especially when you factor in the whole kind of COVID situation that they've had to deal with. Also, they've had the kind of only major outbreak uh, in the league so far, thankfully. Um, but yeah, I mean, massively impressive from them, and I mean, they couldn't have asked for a much better start. Gozi Ugu came in for for his first appearance, actually, and made little to no, well, wasted no time, should I say, in, in making an impression on his new fans with him scoring an absolutely fantastic back heel. That I think had a Cristiano Ronaldo or a Lionel Messi scored it, it would have been all over the internet because this was a really good finish. And I'm not just saying that because we love bigging up the championship. To score a back heel like that and just to kind of have that no 
knowledge of where you are and yeah, like there's a lot that goes into that. Obviously, a lot of pinball there, and he was obviously just very quick-minded and backheeled in. And yeah, I mean, I think Rafe couldn't have couldn't have started any better than that. And I mean, they just kind of continued to play to play well as as the kind of first half went on. They then were rightly awarded a penalty when Dan Armstrong was held down by Stephen Kingsley, but then I believe it was Reagan Hendry hit the post, and then. Rightly awarded a penalty just after the second half began uh, when Michael Smith filled Kai Kennedy, who was making his first appearance since his arrival from from Rangers on loan, obviously, previously Inverness. And for me, I think it was a penalty, but do, do you think it was? Was there maybe some doubts there? I don't know. I think, again, it's a similar one maybe to, to our broths where... It's a bit contentious. I think people could have arguments either side, whether Arbros was ball to hand, whether this one, Michael Smith, got a touch of the ball before he kind of brings down um, Kai Kennedy. I, I think the Hearts players were massively protesting it. Um, and I think sometimes that does show you because if they if they did think it was a penalty and, and Smith didn't think he would he got the ball, then I don't think they would have protested as much. Obviously, you do like to see if you're a fan of Hearts, then you'll want to see them kind of protest and giving away a penalty and not just kind of take it um, on that on the face value of the ref's decision. But I do think that um, it it was one that you could maybe go either way. Um, and I, I just following on obviously from those two penalties and some of the other decisions in the match, Robbie Nielsen actually got a red card after the final whistle because he wasn't happy with John Beaton's refereeing performance. So Hearts and, and Robbie Nielsen kind of kind of imploding a bit during this match, really, um, especially with some of the defending that we saw on show as well. Yeah, I mean, the defending was far from fantastic. The, that that kind of leads me on nicely to talk about the, the third goal that the Rovers scored and Mihai Popescu, who I don't really think has impressed us all too much since coming in. I think he, he'd kind of made a bit of an impression when it St Mirren a season or two ago. But yeah, he hasn't really stood out for me in that that Hearts backline and was really at fault here. A massive, massive touch, which I believe it was Dylan Tate capitalised on, sent the ball out to, to Kai Kennedy, who was much like the Kai Kennedy we kind of seen at Inverness. And he, he kind of ran, I believe it was Craig Halkett ragged, kind of got past him and took the shot. And I believe it bounced kind of, off of Craig Gordon into Regan Tumulty, but yeah, and maybe another kind of contentious decision here. Should they maybe have been kind of called for handball? What what do you think? I thought so. Yeah, definitely. When you see Hearts's, I think it's second replay because it's behind the goal. Um, it definitely looks to me like it hits Regan Tumulty on the hand and, and goes in. And again, probably a bit differently to the second penalty that Wraith Rovers got Hearts don't really kind of argue with the ref as much I, I think maybe one player turns around and puts their hand up and it could be Stephen Kingsley I'm, I'm not 100% there but it's just one player I, I remember turning around to, to put their hand up to claim for it and you, like if it, if it clearly hits the player's hand there's plenty of Hearts players around him on the line as he hits it in when it goes through Craig Gordon so you would have thought that they would, they would be um, absolutely screaming for that uh, but I mean, all credit to Kai Kennedy. Uh, as you said, he, he won the penalty uh, for the second goal, and he just ran Craig Halkett. He turned him inside out for this one. And uh, yeah, I think he he was very impressive. Obviously, his Wraith Rovers debut, but but we we liked him, and, and plenty of other people liked him when he was at Inverness in, in the kind of first few months of the season. Um, and yeah, he really really stood out in this one. And uh, yeah, I think it'll be a great loan at Wraith Rovers if they continue. This uh, this run of form. 
yeah, I mean, it's yet another exciting player to kind of add to that young, young kind of core that, that Rafe have, especially in that attack with Armstrong, Ethan Ross, Tate, and obviously they've got Manny Duku up top, who is a little bit older. Uh, I think Manny will maybe allow us to, to say that with, a, with him being a friend of the pod, but um, I mean, I think Rafe were fully deserving of the lead. Hearts had done absolutely nothing up until Liam Boyce headed one back for them when he got on the end of a really good Josh Ginelli cross, kind of just on the hour mark. Uh, after that, though, I mean, Hearts probably couldn't, probably should have brought it level. They had a ton of chances, but Jamie McDonald was the kind of Aloha Jamie McDonald again because some of the saves McDonald made were absolutely superb. Just off the top of my head, I can recall him stopping a a real nice Michael Smith kind of curling effort that was destined for the top corner. He saved a Stephen Kingsley free kick. There was a few kind of close-range shots that he stopped. And yeah, I mean, you didn't think as as much as Hearts were really pushing for it and really should have scored kind of when they were pushing then, it didn't look like they were going to, although they eventually did. Liam Boyce would kind of get one right at the very death. But ultimately, it was, it was too little too late from Hearts. And to go 3-0 down, you're always leaving yourself with with too much to do. Yeah, like, Jamie McDowell definitely man of the match in this one. I think um, Joel Sked was reporting on it for Edinburgh and News and he, and he gave him man of the match. He was there live and yeah, a couple of absolute cracking saves and, and that is the Jamie McDonald as you said, that, that we saw that won so many points for, for Alloa last season um, and and he's probably won uh, Wraith this match even though they scored three goals at Tencastle but, but he's kept hearts out. Yeah, he did. So obviously, there's been some kind of good news to soften the blow. Similarly to the Pars, um, Hearts have made a, a a wee foray into the transfer window and have brought in a a striker. Um, what what can you kind of tell me about Nandwili? I, I believe the the name's pronounced. Yeah, I think thanks to Hearts' Twitter account, we got we got a a nice pronunciation of it before we murdered it um, uh, on the podcast for the rest of the season. Uh, I can't actually tell you too much about him, to be honest, Cammy. Um, I think he's from Blackpool. Um, saw plenty of obviously we've got plenty of Hearts uh, Twitter accounts and and podcasts themselves, and plenty of Hearts fans on Twitter saying that they've watched quite a bit of him now that he's uh, signed for them, and and I think he's looking very good. So I think they're they're really they're really excited about him coming in. Uh, I don't know how he fits into the system. I'm not sure what they'll change. Obviously, Liam Boyce is uh, he got his, the two kind of consolation goals in this one, and now he's top scorer in the league with with seven goals. So um, I'm not sure whether he's going to partner Boyce up front. I'm not sure whether Boyce drops out. I'm not sure whether Naismith drops out. So you, you, I'm, I'm interested to see how uh, Robbie Nielsen deals with this one because you would think that. Uh, Nandwili is is going to be coming in and, and hopefully attempting to make an impact because he, he sounds like the type of player that Hearts tend to like. Obviously, they had Uchi before. Um, Osman So was was uh, on form for, for a good period of his Hearts career and he sounds like a kind of similar type of player to those two as well. So aye, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where he fits into the, to the Hearts team. So I'm just, I've just, I'm just going to think and allow this is kind of off, off script, if you like. Obviously, we'd mentioned our growth of strikers. Nandwili has now come in at Hearts. Do you think that could maybe open the door for Craig Whiten to return to our growth? Maybe I'm just thinking in terms of names, but yeah. you, you can't help but think that's going to well that that has pushed Whiten down the pecking order. And me and you have both quite liked Whiten. He's kind of stepped up and finally, finally kind of started living up to the kind of early potentially should it Dundee's now getting goals after a really kind of difficult start to life in a Hearts shirt and. 
yeah, I, I, I kind of feel quite bad for him, but obviously with Stephen Naismith being kind of in his mid-30s now, perhaps it, it maybe won't actually make too much of an impact. Maybe Nandwili is more coming in for the sake of letting Naismith need a re- like get a rest when he needs it. But it would certainly be interesting seeing. I think Nielsen will have certainly more more tactical kind of variation. They're obviously, they brought in Gary McKay, Stephen Eller on in the window. So there's certainly a lot of options that Nielsen's made. And I don't think you can you know, criticise him uh, because he's certainly trying to, to strengthen the Hearts team who, as, as you correctly say, have kind of faltered in recent weeks. So, so yeah, I think that will certainly be an interesting one. But shall we move on to the, the final game of the weekend? Yeah, let's go for that. So the final game of the weekend took place at Palmerston Park. Queen of the South won... Uh, 2-1 against Chris's Morton. What what did you make of this one then, Chris? Uh, obviously, I don't think you're going to be very happy with the result. No, it's only taken me until now to recover from being so annoyed at it. Really, I was. I think the second half obviously was. I mean, we we were really poor in the first half, and the second half is the thing that's sticking in my memory. And and we were without kind of threatening majorly. We did have a lot of shots in the match, um, but but nothing really. Or those, there's a big chance. There's a few big chances that I, I will cover in a second. But other than those, there there wasn't too much in terms of really, really threatening Queen of the South to try and get an equaliser. Um, but the first half was just so poor. Um, I don't think Morton even laid a finger on Queen of the South. The the attack was so ineffectual. Still, we've obviously touched on that um, in the last couple of weeks of the podcast. One of the poorest. Um, kind of striking records in the league so far alongside our growth so that that really needs to improve and, and maybe Morton could do with, with a loans player from Hearts as well but we'll, we'll see if that happens um, I think Calvin Orsi yeah he got the goal in this one and he, he does seem to, to only score against Queen of the South but um, it was a rebound after Aidan Nesbitt had shot um, straight at the keeper and, and Orsi didn't really do too much else of, of note that I can remember um, already mentioned Nesbitt I think he stands out kind of so much to opposition fans Queen of the South commentary team which obviously includes um, pal of the podcast uh, Finn but he was they were constantly talking about Nesbitt he's, he's obviously got really really good technique he's dangerous on the ball but Morton fans are consistently annoyed with him and get frustrated with him because his end product's been where he lets himself down and that's where he's always let himself down he's had kind of a couple of spells obviously now at Morton he was there last season too he's been in and out of the team so far this season although he's come back into to be more of a starter now uh, since David Hopkins left and he had a huge miss against Alloa a couple of weeks back that would have put us 2-0 up in that match and he had a massive miss in this one too when we were pushing for an equaliser and I think if that if that chance goes in then Morton probably push on to win this 3-2 I'm, I'm I'm not just saying that with my, my Morton blue and white specs on there. Um, I really do think that we were on top in this one and Queen's could have folded a little bit if we had found an equaliser. Um, all for, obviously, what uh, we were so poor in the first half. But, yeah, I, I think we, we probably deserved on the balance of play in this one at a draw. I think based on that kind of Nesbitt chance on its own, you, you kind of have to say... Not that he's deserved a draw, you should have drawn. Um, like yeah, it's it's an absolute sitter. Like he's uh, some fans are saying it kind of bobbles a bit. Some fans are saying it's an awkward height. But 
I just think if you're in that position and you have a kind of goal, an open goal gaping in front of you, uh, yes, it's on his. He, he takes it on his left foot when he's when his right foot's his strongest one. But I just think you've got to get that in the back of the net. There's, the keeper's not even anywhere near it, and he, he fires it over the bar. It's just so so in, uh, kind of frustrating, as I said already. I mean, I think we could probably put that down the center of the center of the season. I know you're saying the ball kind of did bounce up and whatnot, but I mean, for me, like you, you should be scoring them. You should be able to have the kind of composure in those situations to finish it. And yeah, I mean, it's ultimately cost Morton on the day where, as you say, they probably should have come away with at least a point. But another talking point that I wanted to raise was Lewis Strap and a potential red card uh, tackle on Reese McCabe. Now, in Queen of the South's brief highlights, which they certainly weren't wrong, it was brief, it was just the goals, Aidan Nesbitt's miss. And this tackle, I mean, they certainly showed it a few times. And for me, I think Lewis Strap can consider himself very lucky not to have been sent off because that was a a very dangerous tackle. And Reese McCabe could have come off a lot worse than than ultimately did. Thankfully, he, he wasn't injured to the best of my knowledge. But I mean, it looked like a real ankle breaker to me. Yeah, it was a bit high, wasn't it? Um, Lewis Strap does like a tackle, and and he's he does fly in quite a lot, and, and maybe that's an area. Like, I don't want to discourage him from tackling because I, I think he's he's generally very good at it. But when the ref was walking over to him after he'd given this as a foul, I was thinking that it could have been a, a red card. And when the yellow comes out, obviously you're happy. But yeah, you, it, it was it was a pretty bad one from him. Um, and yeah, that, that probably kind of summed up a, a poor Morton day, to be honest. And what about, oh, obviously going kind of back to when Queen of the South took, took the lead and then went 2-0 up, I Obelai, a player who we've been kind of critical of for his kind of defence. Some header from him, an absolute bullet, and I'm really not sure why Aidan Nesbitt was was marking him given the clear size difference. But the goal I really want to talk about is that of Aidan Fitzpatrick, obviously a player we kind of gave a wee shout out to on the recent kind of collaboration pod we done with the boys at Talking Lower League. If you've not checked that out, be be sure to do so both on our feed and their feed. We we looked at the kind of team of the season so far in the league um, but this was an absolutely fantastic goal from from the Norwich-owned youngster and I mean I think very poor on, on Morton's part actually because the, the Fitzpatrick kind of dribbles past maybe two or three pretty much unchallenged and then he gets himself into the box and again manages to take a shot and Morton don't really even seem to make any attempt to stop him taking the shot either which I mean was, was very very poor. Yeah, both goals were poor from a Martin perspective. I think going back to the corner, uh, we've we've talked so much so far this season about poor marking from corner kicks in the championship, and this was one definitely from Ayo Obelai. Um, I mean, yeah, good movement from him. I think you're getting slightly mixed up with your long-haired Martin players. I think it was Marcus Fjortoft that was marking him as opposed to to Aidan Nesbitt because I I mean, if it was Nesbitt, then I'm not happy about. Uh, Who's who's picking up who in a, for for the dead ball situations? But yeah, I think it was Marcus Fjortoft. Um and that was Obelize, as she said. We've we've not been too impressed with him at the back so far this season. That's his fourth league goal so far, um, and that draws him level with Stephen Kingsley as the highest scoring defender in the league so far this season. So yeah, I, I think he was a surprise penalty taker the other week, but he has popped up with a few important goals, um, and that was another one. And completely agree with you for for Fitzpatrick goal. It kind of reminded me of um, Cammy Smith's goal for Ayr 
uh, when Air came to Capelo, and obviously that put them 2-0 up, but but we came back and won that 1-3-2. Morton's defence just kind of parts wide open. Fitzpatrick's got so much space and time to run at us and picks his spot past Aidan McAdams. I thought it, it was just so easy. There's about four Morton players around him not putting a foot in as he strikes the ball towards goal. And it was just, yeah, a, a really poor moment for a defence that's actually been really good and really solid over the past couple of weeks. So that was a surprise for that to kind of come back. That was that was kind of hoppy style defending from Morton there. So that, that brings an end to this week's edition of the Pure Championship podcast. Obviously just the four games this week because in the intro we'd said that Inverness versus Aloha had been postponed. We've got a few midweek games this week. We have Reef Rovers taking on Hearts tonight eh, on the day we record, which is Tuesday. And then tomorrow night we then have your Morton against Inverness. There should have been Dundee versus Air, but that has once again been postponed. I think the Reef Rovers game is certainly going to be an interesting one based on the events of Saturday. How are you feeling ahead of your, your match with Inverness? I think that'll be an interesting one too, because Inverness haven't played since... Uh, 29th of December so they've, they've not played so far this year um, yeah I, I don't know I don't know how it's going to go I think with the defeat uh, on, on Saturday against Queen of the South I do I think a, a win is kind of essential almost now it's getting to that stage of the season uh, I think Queen of the South's upturn in form obviously with that win against us on Saturday uh, added to that it's, it's kind of frightened me a little bit they've gone on a bit of a run and, and pretty much caught up with with the mid with the mid table um, already when it was looking like they were going to be right right down there for the for the rest of the season so I think I would really like a win uh, tomorrow night uh, and I would really like a win on Saturday too we're playing our both so uh, two wins in two please for the next time that we are coming together to talk about match action from the championship so just quickly before we we wrap up also Inverness as you say haven't played this year they've played the least games in the division with nine sitting on twelve points and. Four points clear of ninth placed Aloha, but with a win, they could go just a point behind you. They could overtake both Queen of the South and Air, and then still have multiple games in hand on them. So, should Inverness fans maybe be worried that they're sitting where they are, or, or given that they've got that many in hand, should they not be too worried just yet? No, I don't think they should be worried at all. I think, obviously, they've got those games to come, and I, I think they will pick up points in them. I don't think, I think it's kind of like a uh, like a, a false league position at the moment, you see that often um, mentioned when when things come into like when people talk about stats and things like that. So I think obviously with the games that they've got in hand to come, and and you said the same for Wraith earlier too. Like Wraith win their two games in hand and they go second to the table and they're almost uh, kind of battling hearts at the top of the league. So um, yeah, I think it will be it'll be really interesting to see what the table looks like when all the matches get get caught up with each other. Yeah, well, also just looking at the table, Inverness win, they've actually got four games in hand on Queen of the South, also that, that would then be 12 points. Inverness too could also go top, of, well, sorry, second in the league. Obviously, it probably won't happen given the way that the fixtures will be played. They're not playing on back-to-back nights or whatever, but to kind of know that that is the kind of where you can get just in the space of a few games, I think it's bound to give them confidence uh, at, at the moment, but as we say, that is the end of this week's episode. So if you've enjoyed, be sure to, to share it, leave your reviews and, and let us know what you've got on Twitter.